Hello, you're listening to The Consequential Podcast. I'm Dave Convery. Roger. Hello. Roger's still doing the voice from the other podcast. Shit. I'm sorry. Lucy. Hi. Hi. We do two shows now. You should check out We Will Fix You if you want just the jokes and none of the comics. And maybe also some help. It's not very nice. It's not that nice. Also, I do a voice a little bit like this. He does. Yes. That's also not very nice. No. No, honestly, it sounds like the Crypt Keeper trying to flirt with you. It's not not ideal. Today we're going to talk about big, weird sci-fi, but first, Lucy, what have you been reading? Um, I've read two things this week. Um, I have read Vera Brosgall's new children's book, which is called Leave Me Alone. Um, I didn't know it was a children's book when I got it. I thought it was going to be a comic, but that was fine. It was much quicker to read. Yeah, I I would have held off buying it because I picked it up from Goshwe and... uh, but. But someone had to go and find it for me, and at that point, I felt like I had to just kind of follow through. Awkward. So. No, it's fine. I mean, it was probably not something I would have chosen to read had I known. But actually, it was pretty good. And I think if you have young humans in your life, this would be a really good gift choice along the lines of the sort of Kate Beaton, King Baby, Princess and Pony type books, or the 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 Who Stole My Hat type of thing. A lot of the reviews described it as having plenty for adults. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's um, it's a, a bit of a sort of modern meta take on quite a classic sort of children's story narrative structure. You've got a sort of elderly, kind of babushka Russian inflected grandma. It looked grandma. very Russian. From... Yeah, who lives on a compound with her many, many children and grandchildren and winter is coming and she has to knit 30 sweaters for her 30 grandchildren who will live with her but she can't get a moment's peace because said grandchildren keep coming in and bothering her, hence leave me alone. So first of all, she leaves the house and tries to, you know, find various locations nearby where she might get some peace. She ultimately climbs a mountain and goes onto the moon, but the moon turns out to be full of moon men, at which point she enters a wormhole and gets her knitting done Mm. on the other side. Um, It's good. I did not see that taking that that route. No, and it 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 was a sort of nice, playful take on some of those tropes. So yeah, I think if you've got if you've got little little people oh no, no, children, children <laughs> please kill that. <laughs> um, I won't. At <laughs> least keep the pleading in. <laughs> I will <laughs> Um if there are if there are children in your life that you need to buy gifts for, this would be a great choice. Excellent. I didn't realise that Vera Brosgall um, was an artist for Leica Studios. The I also did not know that. Paranorman and Cuba and the Two Strings that and Box sense. Trolls. And Everybody in comics is also working in animation, it seems, these days. Yeah. A lot of them came from animation, so the lady was sort of thought bubble that does um, Squirrel Girl. What the fuck was her name? Why can't I remember her name? Erica Henderson. I just know her as Erica Fails from Twitter. Mm. Um, Miss Henderson, Squirrel Girl. Um, yeah, Michael DeForge. Lots and lots and lots of people come from. Yeah. But even then, you've got people like Mark Ellaby who are working on animation adjacent comics properties. And yeah, actually, I think the sort of resurgence in sort of teen and uh, adult appropriate animation mm. means that there's a lot of crossover stuff at the moment that's not necessarily. There's a lot of work Just out there if you're drawing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. 
Um, so the other thing that I read this week was Deep Space Canine by the Oh, I wanted to get that Comic Book Slumber Party Collective. You're welcome to borrow it. I I feel weird about this one. So it's a comic about anthropomorphic feminist female dog space crew people who get high in space done by a feminist comic collective. That sounds like the best thing ever. It sounds exactly like it should be perfect for me and yet I sort of bounced off it and I'm not sure why. Well, I, I think I've got some ideas why. Partly because it's... So it is not exactly um, anthology but it's sort of there are several different it jumps, artists the story continues it. and it jumps from artist to artist yeah and some of those styles I found because of the thing with my eyes not working good um, I found quite hard to follow it does I mean they're quite broad it does jump from quite cartoony into more much more abstract yes it's a similar set of people to uh, Greasy's Guide to Nookie isn't it yes I think so and it is Greasy the, the same character yes again. Mm. Um, one thing I did really like, though, I know you guys as well are very uh, big fans of the um, unlikely sound effect in a comic. Mm, there love is, an unlikely sound effect. There is one where um, a character is being hugged and just the word tender radiates oh, largely. That's <laughs> up there with grab. It's good. Tiny bite. Tiny bite. Um, one day I will write that essay. It's great. And now I love it too. Actually, I can't be bothered because someone's smarter do it. <laughs> I don't think we know. Same if you're that. listening. Some of it is about a type of, like, a subset of female experience that doesn't resonate with me a lot. The kind of, we are somewhat kind of macho women and we drink hard and we smoke hard and we work mm. hard and we play hard. And even though there's there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of tenderness in there, there's a very kind of interesting narrative arc that the character goes through. That kind of, I don't know, it's it's not a thing that really resonates with me personally. That's not how I do being a woman. It's, it's and that's a, fine. And like, there is nothing wrong with that. This is going to be great for so many people. It just wasn't the right thing for me right now. And it's in a lot of things, and it can be is presented as quite empowering. Obviously, it's not my experience mm. either. But it kind of I've read some things where that's been present, and it's felt like it's yeah, this is big and important. yes. And I think if that is you, and you haven't seen that represented, then it is going to be very empowering. Mm. The fact is just that it is not me. Yeah, there was a bit of it in um, oh gosh, the little. Um, C.C. Ray thing yes. uh, Dirt the graffiti one mm. the female characters in that were quite of that sort of moment and yes it's powerful but mm. yeah it wasn't my experience not yours mm. but I think if um, if your eyes work good and you like the sound of that you should definitely go and read it I had a quick flip through sorry if that devalues it for you in any way um, but <laughs> I, I really liked all of the art styles in there um, but obviously I haven't actually read it cover to cover mm. but I'm quite happy reading I think a slightly slightly weirder art yeah than you. definitely I mean where, I, do you, where do I get me a deep space canine I picked up from gosh comics which held the launch party mm. I suspect it's also going to be available from their online store mm-hmm. are link, they on big cartel or are they one of those we will link to the most convenient way of buying it I mean there's good people Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I'm glad I supported them, even yeah. if I did not 100% love the product. Grease is going to Nookie is good. Fairy Tales for Bad Bitches is good. There's mm-hmm. good people. Yes, and I'm really like I don't want. I want it to be very clear that I'm really glad that they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Them's your books. Them's my books. Thanks for bringing them. Roger. Hello. Oh, you want to know what I've read, don't you? I do. Yes. Yeah, it's a bit all over the place, actually. Um, 
The slightest thing that I've read, but also kind of one of the most weirdly charming, is a short zine-type thing. It's a weirdly high publishing values. I honestly can't remember who did it. I will look it up in time for the show notes. Some friends bought it back from a comic book store in Seattle, and it's called Those Fucking Dinosaurs. Tell us more. It's a single joke, extended, just... You know how... Like butt ghosts. Yeah, a single stupid joke extended so far that it recursively becomes funny again. Yes. Dinosaur comics has been going for over a decade. There's not a problem with that. Yeah. But also butt ghosts. So butt ghosts. the sort of zine thing of cut some things out and overlay them and then photocopy it and delete mm-hmm, it. So mm-hmm. it's that. It's like 50s adverts or magazine clippings. But with two dinosaurs fucking and badly drawn speech bubbles just over weirdly inappropriate kind of environment pages mm. so like on the moon or in the middle of some trifle or in a boxing <laughs> ring One of the, they're, they're, they're fucking on top of a, an iced ring bunt cake um, this sounds wonderful I saw this and, it, and somehow forgot about it but yes it's the best it, thing it's, it's just 20 pages of the same stupid joke dinosaurs having sex in an inappropriate context with a not even necessarily particularly funny set of speech bubbles Hurry up, Philip, or whatever. It, oh, it's kind of the trifle's going cold. Yeah, and it's it's stupid and it's delightful on a level I can't quite articulate. Have I, have I articulated it? It's you've articulated it. I think you've you've explained that it's crudely stitched on dinosaurs fucking in a variety of unlikely landscapes. And there's, and there's, there's no I, nuts for that. There's no I joke beyond know, that, and it really works. But I would trust our listeners to know whether or not that is for them. Yeah. I would trust anyone to know if that's for them. It's There's something charming about it. It's probably the dinosaurs fucking, to be honest. Yeah. Um, at completely the other end of the scale, I finally got around to Black Monday Murders, the latest Jonathan Hickman, with art by Tom Coker. Coker? Coker? Who even cares? Coker. Well, he, Coker. he does. Yeah. Mm, pretty his much name everyone is Tom Coker. in his yeah. family. Care everyone, everyone probably cares. I've done his, a bad. A lot of his friends would probably go to bat for him as well. Yeah, I don't want to upset those guys. Like, he's a good artist. They're very good people. Actually, I shouldn't make them sad. You don't want to fight them. You're ill-prepared oh, do, do for it. No. Yeah. Anyway, that, that guy... He might have been bullied at school. Like, he might have been called Cocker at school. That was, like, the taunt that chased him around the playground. That could have been it. You've just reminded him, even though he shook it off and his professional career's been going pretty well. Oh, sorry. You're a bad guy. Sorry, Tom. Your comic's really good, though. Tell us about it. Um, okay, so this, this is... So, I'm super peppy it's today. It's a bold strategy. <laughs> it's so fucking Hickman. Um... How much time travel? None so far. Well, you've lied to us then, haven't you? But. How much recursion? Oh, golly. So, um, you know the Max, is it Max Gladwell novels? The the Craft series? Uh, Max Gladstone. Gladstone, sorry. Um, Where magic is neoliberalism and stuff happens. Yeah, imagine that, but weirder. So it's a it's a police procedural told partly through the eyes of a cop who sort of has to deal with not believing in voodoo that works in a world where high finance rests on something a bit like magic. High finance institutions are thinly veiled magical colleges built on the fact that there appears to be an actual and concrete relationship with the god Mammon. If, this, this is such a hard book to talk about because um, 
on the one hand, everything I just said is spoilers, but it's also massively not. So I've seen Hickman do tremendously over-involved. I've seen recursive time travel plots. I've seen him be like the good Stephen Moffat. Um, this has all the intricacy, but it's doing so many other things as well. It's a formally intricate book. Um, the, the trade is really thick and interspersed with police reports and scripted dialogue and photocopied pages from treatises on magical finance. And there's a lot of different formal artifacts. Mm. And, you know, some of the backstory is given in terms of the obscurely rendered family trees of people and their magical familiars. And so one of the common things it does is it tells you a bit of story, then gives you some back matter that explains it as though you already knew all the terms of reference. Mm -hmm. And in the next volume explains some but not all of the terms of reference. So you get this interesting, like, stitching thing of stitch forward, loop back, stitch forward, loop back, Mm -hmm. of, of understanding the metafiction and the narrative and it's really interesting in that sense uh, it's a fascinating high hyperdense piece of storytelling so what you've got is you've got this this investment bank uh Kena Kankren who uh, Kena being the American bank that took a pounding in the Wall Street crash that merged with Kankren the magical a, a Soviet effectively mm. the Soviet state bank both of which hid magical colleges mm. Orbit of the Soviet one, Orbit Orbit Eradicated. I haven't read it yet, but I'm so fucking glad I bought this. Um, And one of their directors has just been murdered. And the police, um, the detective that is is investigating it has some kind of hedge-witchy magical knowledge. But it's clear that academic magic, high-functioning magic, Mm. is is basically, is merchant banking, is high finance. And we see a bit of a lecture which it is in which it is ambiguous whether the lecturer is actually telling the students it's magic or is alluding it to alluding to it and mocking them. And throughout the entire of the first trade, it's sort of ambiguous to what extent people involved uh, in high finance, but not at the very top, like non-executive people, actually know that it's magic or not. It's kind mm. of there's a really weird sort of there are a few families controlling these institutions. Uh, it's not clear how widely known it is, just how weird and magical shit is, or just how nasty the magical stuff is. Mm. And there's a couple of conspiracy strands. There's a family with some revenge beef. Um, Rwanda. Mm. There are different magical colleges that might be at war. There's a return to the old times. There's some genuinely unpleasant stuff. It's all bound up in sort of blood sacrifice, kind of blood for money, money for blood appears to be mm. the deal, except it looks like between the cracks maybe it doesn't have to be that way. So one of the things that might be going on is someone trying to unseat that system or maybe reinstitute an older version of it. It's not quite clear. It's throwing a lot of arc stuff, a lot of like sort of context and meta-narrative stuff around. It's heavy dense. Um, it looks kind of cool, but I'm going to be quite dismissive of the artwork, not because it isn't good, but because the sum of the parts is so much greater. So the overall mm. design work the kind of back matter pages and the visual design. It's got this lovely design language around alchemical symbols that mm. look a bit like state diagrams and flow diagrams. Ooh. So you'll sort of turn the page and you'll see this visualization of what looks like an astrological chart, but it's actually a finance graph or mm-hmm. kind of it's visualizing. There are f- in, in, in the Western School of Economics, there are four seats in the college. It really mashes up the kind of economics magic thing. Um, the... The, the scales, the sword, the something, the stone chair. I can't remember the details. The point being, one, one of the key plot points, or one of the key 
kind of mythos points in it is that you, if you are in the role of the stone chair, mm. you will be there when Mammon takes his portion. Basically, you die if there's a crash. Mm-hmm. If there's a stock market crash, or if something happens to the money, it's not quite clear what it is, you bleed. Mm. You, you pay your... So there appears to be a thing around kind of betting with blood. Mm. Um, and maybe in some cases eating your children, it's not entirely certain. Also delicious, <coughs> nutritious. It's, I mean, yeah, it does sound quite similar to the Max Gladstone stuff, where the idea is there's a bunch of different pseudo-economic systems. There's the craft, which is modern neoliberal capitalism, sort of. Mm. It's sort of economics and it's sort of law, but it all works. There's ritual sacrifice, which works a little bit more like communism in this world. Mm. And the thing that I enjoy about those is it's not heavy-handed enough to say that any of them are particularly good they all have useful points they all have ways of exploiting them they all have costs and they are all deeply uneven Mm. so far it feels like the Gladstone novel is written by a heavily tongue-in-cheek China metal I can cope with that I can definitely cope with that it's fucking good but it's dense dense is good I think in this case because the idea the idea of saying that you know a hacky version of either of those would be quite glib. Mm, you don't have a shallow treatment of that plot. No. So It's really good at trickling it out between the cracks as well. There's no exposition splurge. I mean, there are, there are little bits, but it, it's like, it keeps you off balance. And the end of, the, end of the, the arc, the end of the first arc, the end of the first trade, is very clearly a kind of set up for the future, and you've been told bits and pieces and stuff is tricked out, but there's so much yet to, to understand. I mean, it started, it started running last year, the trade was collected this year, rather like a few other things I'll talk about, started last year, body of it this year. There's a very real chance it's going to make it on my best of year list for this year, and I know it's only March. Damn. Likewise, AD After Death, which I'll talk about a bit later, there hasn't been any issue, they've been bumped around, but um, 2017 is going to have to, like, comics-wise, nosh me off for AD After Death not to be my best of year. Presumably it's going to have to nosh you off in general as a year to make the whole thing worth living through. I mean, it's quite quite, um, rich with Jeff Lemire. He's got a new one out. I've also been reading Depth H. Depth H is Matt Matt Kint, isn't it? Sorry, yes, it just looks a bit like Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire's, I mean, obviously you've been been reading Descender. Yep. um, And he's got a new book out this week, so... It's it's a Lemire year, just mm. like a leap year, but kind of scratchy. Descent of Volume Three, um, which is uh, Jeff Lemire and Dustin Nguyen. Nguyen, Nguyen, Nguyen. Yeah. I believe it's. Um, I think it's Korean, isn't it? Uh, Vietnamese. Vietnamese. Oh, sorry, I, I made that mistake the last time I talked about. It. And Descent of Volume Three. So I've talked about the first two volumes. The first volume is astounding. The second volume was merely quite good. The third volume is on a level with the second one, but doing something different. Uh, so this is unkindly, and I don't mean it unkindly, it's Mass Effect fanfic. There's a world in which the evil robots came and some shit mm. went down, and there's a primal history to it, and if you're familiar with Mass Effect, you'll get the story tropes. Big revelations in volume two about the sort of history of robotics and the fact that the robot sentience in question might actually have been basically sort of excavated and reworked from an ancient robot race or something, signals, what have you. Um, volume 3 pulls back to tell personal stories for each of the characters. Mm-hmm. It's 
if you were jonesing for an arc plot, it feels like a fucking cheat, but it's also really well done, so I can't criticise it. Like the individual stories are great. There's uh, one of them which is it's 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 um, it's their pizza dog bandit, the little dog drone. It's like a little cute, adorable cube bot with little wheels and squishy bits. Um, there's a panel in volume one where Tim Twenty One, the little boy android, mm. um, is startled waking up. 20 years after all the humans on his mining colony are dead to some sort of signal and we don't really necessarily know he's a robot until a couple, of, ha- face a couple of panels in. Yeah, basically he's startled by this little dog droid mm. that used to be his pet dog, Bandit. It doesn't look like a dog, it just behaves like a dog. Um, it looks like a little cube thing. Mm-hmm. But um, he's startled by it and then there's a sort of panel thing where his yeah face sort of explodes out and like his hand sort of explodes out into sort of sensors and probes mm. and just everything folds away into this big robot. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous panel. And one of these issues is the story of basically how that panel got to happen. So mm-hmm. everything goes wrong on the mining colony and bandits left it there. It's like 10 days, 100 days to mm-hmm. the dog tootling around and he crashes folds up more and more in himself, goes to sleep, and then hears a noise and scuttles around, and there's the panel with him being startled by Tim, but from Bandit's perspective. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a... There's some really nice little moments in this. Also, a bunch of character backstory. Some of it's very boring. He had a hard childhood. Didn't we all? The, the, the good one is Tim22, who at the beginning, at the end of Volume 2, is kind of like a bit of a bastard and still appears to be a bastard but we find out how he got to be that way mm-hmm. like Tim 21 the, 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 the Tim droids are these hyper advanced companion droids designed to look after children they look like sort of 12 year old boys or maybe a bit younger super adorable they look like kind of fucking white bread all American kids mm. from an advert they look like they should be selling you cereal uh, Tim 21 had a nice lovely fluffy owner a kid called Andy who goes on to become a main character in the story but a bit of a douche um, Tim 22 was bought by a high powered executive to look after his dad who he didn't like very much and the dad couldn't bear the thought of having a robot around so locked him in a cupboard for six months and then couldn't forget that he was there so he was freaked out so horribly abused him oh like, not in a sex way but no in, in no a, no no like, in a trauma way cigarettes oh, way awful. and just just not being a good dude. Don't do that. Uh-huh. It's a bad way to treat your robot. Yeah. That would be sad. That's how we get Terminators. Mm. Yeah, sound kind of murdery. So it, it's um it's it's some more descender. It looks gorgeous. It's um that watercolory, highly textured It looks fantastic. Not as fantastic as volume one, fair enough, but there are still some pages that do that stellar thing that they've been doing. It's um pretty tight storytelling if you don't mind the kind of sort of intermission thing that a lot of long running series will do with mm. pull back to all the character stories it's quite mm. a it's, it's quite a well understood thing. trope I don't mind it um, assuming it's well done yeah I guess I would sort of it really works as a single volume but I wonder if I was reading it as an ongoing series reader mm. like it, it makes a fantastic trade I wonder if as a series reader I wouldn't rather have it interspersed through mm. I don't know it's hard to say well like a single here and there is yeah. one of those yeah. as opposed to doing a whole volume of them yeah sort of like they were in Sandman but then they were mm. collected into single volumes for Sandman which is kind of weirdly cake and eat it mm. it's um it's still great 
I also read Harry County Volume 2, but you talked about that better than I probably would. Uh, Tyler Crook, Colin Bunn. Creepy Trends. I thought slightly slighter than Volume 1. I agree. But it was called Twice Told, and I guess what it was doing was a compressed version of this is what Cammy would do if she'd had mm. Emmy's Volume 1. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens next. Still insanely beautiful. Thankfully, there are four volumes out now and a fifth one this summer. Good How Lord. are they spanking it out that fast? Do not know. Countless Hanks. Do not know. It's, yeah, like, how many Hanks must they have doing the drawing? Countless. Just many, many Hanks. It's, so if you're not familiar with Harrow County, uh, get familiar with Harrow County. It's one of the best fucking things. Um, Southern Gothic, sinister fairy tale, I Made guess. Made by the Bun Man. The Bun, Mr. Bun. Um, it's... Is it watercolour? It's very painty. Yeah. So I think it might be digital, but... No, it can't no be, it's it watercolour. I've watched mm. videos of him doing it. It's, it's so beautiful. Um, I don't know how he's churning that out at that speed. I just don't know. I think the answer is extreme skill. Yeah, and professionalism. Yeah. It probably needs to make money as well. Well, this is a conversation. Stuff. Yeah. Well, you talked to Dave Barker. Um, who does um, heirloom? Yeah, and he has beef with the idea of sort of calling it artist talented. He's like, well, yeah, some of them are, but well, this is you do the yeah. fucking work. This is and something that um, other friend of the show, Lucy Bellwood. Let's just talk about the two artists we know. Mm. Um, talks about all the time is that the idea of talent is reductive and infuriating when you've put so much time into mm. honing your ability. I've watched some of the videos that Dave's done of his uh, process work for concept art, and that's all, it's Photoshop, but you, you get to what you don't realise is halfway through the video, and oh, that looks fucking amazing, and then there's another, and this is sped up in real time, he's looking at like four or five hours or something to do a single, quite small still, mm. and fuck, oh wow. But I think to an extent we can all relate, I mean, I think everyone has at least one thing that they've put just a lot of time and effort into that mm. other people say, Wow, you're just incredibly good at that. I don't know how you do it. An embodied experience gets you shortcuts. Mm. Um, I guess for me that would be the cooking stuff. Well, you know how to work with the meta as well as with the thing itself. Yeah. And the meta is kind of important. Mm. But yeah, that's that's kind of me for the week. Um, read what? some things, not enough things. I meant to... There's so much more stuff I wanted to cover. I, I nibbled a few bits of webcomics, but not enough to express mm. an opinion. I, uh, I also read some webcomics. Um, which is unusual for me. Mm. Um, but I've been reading uh, Warm Blood by... Which is not the centaur fucking thing. It is not the centaur fucking. Um, so it's by a guy called Josh Tierney who writes it. And it's by a rotating cast of artists by scene. Mm. Um, so, so far, Saskia Gun- uh, Gutkunst, Joyce Suki, Winston Young, Naomi Frankies. Marina Julia and Olivier Pichard. I'll probably pronounce all of those wrong, but that is one of the things we promise. So basically it starts with a um, the first day of a, a girl called Penny in a new school. Oh, um, nice. And um, uh, by the f- end of the first page, you have the principal announcing that someone has been murdered in the cafeteria. Is this the one that opens with her being like, just be normal, just be normal, everything will be fine? Yeah, and then immediately cuts to murder, and then it cuts to someone saying, hi, I did the murder you've just been hearing about, and it just, um, it just keeps up that sort of degree of 
strangeness. Um, and Twin Peaks is a very obvious touchstone for stuff like this, where it's set within a traditional genre, but there is a layer of weirdness on top of everything. Mm. But it really is opposite. It is high school drama with a layer of weirdness. Like, you get four pages in, suddenly there's just a giant prawn walking the hallways. Um, Sorry, what? I like that. But there is a statue of a giant prawn on the waterfront in Plymouth, so maybe it's just my birthplace calling back to me. It could be. I don't know why there's one of those, but there is. It could ah. be. And it, and it takes weird meta... It goes, it goes on little meta paths, like, you know, you get little bits of commentary, like someone has a load of text on their uh, T-shirt saying, I'm probably really infuriating to draw. Um... You get a uh, potential love interest framed in a heart in, in basically Pringles. Um, Sorry, it's a really good statue. That's a good prawn. It's on a big pole. That's a good prawn. Lucy yeah. has just shown us the uh, the Plymouth prawn, the Plymouthian prawn. It's called the Leviathan, the apparently. The Leviathan. It's just a very large prawn. That seems like an unnecessarily formal title. That seems a little bit overreaching as well. Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. Leviathan. My parents always just refer to it as the prawn, and I think most people do. Getting back to Warm Blood. Read Warm Blood. You'll enjoy it. It's, it's got high school drama, it's got murders, it's got pop culture references. It's got a bunch of different artists. Like, it's, it's no one I've heard of and they're all really interesting. Mm. Good. Um, it really seems like good sort well, of exposure and discovery mechanism. Really and there's some really nice shading. Yeah, there's a bunch of, I mean, everyone, everyone that I've seen drawing for it so far seems really good. Um, which is lovely and there's links out to all of their stuff so if you want to go really far down the rabbit hole of finding a whole bunch of new stuff to follow you really can um, the other one I've been reading is uh, Epicurean's Exile oh I was going to look at that so this one's this one's um, by yeah, Leia Worthington and Jack Cole as the artist and it's about a exile although you don't quite know why a nobleman heading off on a trip to a new city, being greeted by someone who's going to guide him around, and then basically seeing the food of the city. And it's there's not tons of it so far, but one of the things I really like and one of the things that I always enjoy in, in comics like this, particularly where you've got a high concept thing like a shared fantasy world, is that it's not massively exposition heavy, it's character driven. Mm. Which I just I really, really appreciate because mm. there's so many things like this where they're really desperate to get all of the details of all of the really clever world building out to you and it's just not necessary. People Spooging will Spooging all over you with exposition. Exactly. People will follow you if you're doing it well and this really does mm. do it well. Um, and there's two other ones called Raw House and the Goss, which I haven't looked at yet, but um, on the basis of this, it looks worth looking at if you enjoy that sort of thing. The only um, the only sort of one issue I have with it, and it sort of feels unfair to say, but it's that the quality of the art drops later on. Um, well, not the quality. The line work's still good, but the detailing, the colouring, drops away, and this is 
presumably down to the you know the you issues do your of backlog and your backlog's good yeah. because you haven't started publishing yet and then you get a regular publishing schedule and the speed and the pace that it requires means you have to cut you have to find a way to draw yeah yeah I remember Dave talking about this on he's the only webcomics person I talk to regularly so mm. but about heirloom so he has this gorgeous overdone style for the first couple and has just been desperately trying to find a way he can churn it out and mm. he still can't because he Basically, without completely changing the style, he, he made it so big can't and beautiful. Find a way to make it quicker, but yeah. so the the later stuff is by no means bad. No, um, no, no, it doesn't look it. It is just, it's not the thing that I, that, that first drew me to it, um, and that's sad. But I will probably get over it. I liked it. I think it's worth checking out. It's um, I'm not suggesting cynicism here. I'm genuinely not, but. I could, you can understand the process of, yeah, you, you work up your backlog and you think this will be amazing, but actually people's entry points into webcomics are going to be, you're going to click through to the latest one, right? And then you'll go back to the first one. Mm. And generally the observance pattern, but at least that we're quite used to with webcomics, is you click through the latest one, it looks quite good. You go back to the first one, you expect it to be shit and then to get slowly better. Because a lot of people were using it as a vehicle to figure out how to do it in the first place. It depends on the experience of the artist, I yeah, guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah. When we talk about webcomics, I'm always quite careful to link to the start, just because I think that's the best way of doing it. Yeah. Um, unless it's something that's been running for ages, and there are sort of distinct story blocks, like yeah. kind of crude course or something like mm. that. So that was my webcomic. I don't normally read webcomics, but I took a couple of recommendations and went for those. Um, Sex Criminals is back. Sex Criminals is back. Mm. It's still good. And they've got leggings now. I kind of forgot about Sex Criminals. You can buy Sex Criminals leggings. Um, in up to size 6XL. Um, you can also buy uh, Odyssey uh, leggings. Pretty Deadly leggings. Pretty Deadly. Pretty deadly and, and Bitch Planet. Uh, yeah. From those good people at Milk Fed Criminal Masterminds. Um, we've talked about Sex Criminals enough. It's the same book. It's still good. I don't know where this plot line is going yet, but it seems to be sort of longer term relationships that they're looking at. We had... Last one was... Mental illness and running away from the space police, right? Yeah, my sort of really dingus, dingus police. Yeah. No, the volume three was sort of them finding the other people that were like. Oh yeah, no, I have read that one. And sort of went out into the. There's a bunch of different people. Like, um, it sort of it looks at people who are uh, fetishists. It looks at people who are asexual. Yeah. And they all they're all sort of in the same vein. They have magical sex powers. Um, and are a lot more competent generally than than the two protagonists, mm. but not um, hard. No, no, not. But yes, it's it's good. It's still good. It's nice. I read um, the Wild Storm by Warren Ellis and mm. John Davis Hunt, which is remember Wild Storm comics back in the day, Stormwatch and the Authority yeah, and some of it was good. I don't all of those other stuff. No, that's fine. It was the nineties. I was barely alive. Oh yeah, and you're in your heroin phase. Yeah. Um, At least I was skinny. There were a whole bunch of uh, different comics under the Wildstorm banner, which Jim Lee started when he left DC Comics. Jim Lee now runs DC Comics, mm. so that he went was. Back. He did go back. He went back pretty hard. Mm. Consolidated Wildstorm into DC. Um, so a bunch of the Wildstorm characters are now part of DC Comics. The ones that aren't are in this, their Ooh. own universe thing, which is a present day but very high-tech sci-fi tale. 
Um, and I'll be honest, I don't know what to make of it yet. Um, it's much more rigid in terms of art and more other stuff normally is. It's a nine panel or a 16 panel thing mm. on most pages. Um, and when someone does that, I usually assume that they're either a postmodernist channeling Watchmen or they're a shit wizard channeling Watchmen, or in the case of Grant Morrison, both. Um, but I'm not really sure what it's going with it. But it's it sort of retreads a bunch of characters from Wildstorm. So like in the in the first one, there's uh, Zealot, which has been mm-hmm. redone in a Warren Ellisy style. There is the Engineer from Stormwatch and oh, the Authority, okay. redone in a very Warren Ellisy style. Is it and set before or after recent Authority? It's separate. Okay, so but it's got the Engineer in it. It does, but it's sort of an origin story, so it's different. In the original one, the engineer was, which had a blood replaced with nanobots and became a sort of silver surfery looking um, metamorphosing machine person. You already um, kind of had your blood replaced with nanobots, don't get too uh, in the, in this, show-offy about it. In this, she has basically <laughs> put an Iron Man suit under her skin. Right. In a really not good, not working well sort of way. Oh. Um, Clumsy surgery. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah, self self performed. Oh. There's a there's a moment where she, so the sort of big hero moment in the entire book is her transforming, taking off, and catching someone who's falling, and she is she's presented as very much on the spectrum. Um, she has very deliberate vocal tics that, that are meant to sort of say this person is autistic. It's not done, I think, in an unkind way or in a way that is particularly calling it out. There's no, she's brilliant at maths because she's autistic. She just happens to be autistic and happens to be this person. There's a little of that in the authority stuff, but... For someone, she's got some text, but it's not doesn't come on strong. For someone who wrote those characters for so long, it's a fairly clean break from mm. the original versions. It's kind of ultimate authority. I'm guessing no way. Apollo or Midnight, or no, no, no Jenny Quantum. It would be at this stage. Jenny Sparks is apparently coming back to it, right. but Apollo and Midnight are a part of DC Comics now. Um, I think Uncle Warren is doing a generally reasonably good job of the sort of diversity that's not tokenism it just is mm. so I, I for the yeah. sci-fi I was coming back to injection and there were a few but I, I struggle with the kind of layering of this because there were a few kind of the characters of colour being like fucking hell white people but then knowing that that was written by a white guy adds a whole nother layer of kind of I don't mm. know how to penetrate it it also it also fits with the humour of the book, which is very dry. There are a lot of jokes. There are a lot of the characters telling each other jokes. There's no point at which a character reacts to one of those with a smile, particularly. Mm. So I I read that as sarcasm, mm. effectively. But, I don't know. I think we're on a... Not everywhere, but in places on a gentle uptick for this stuff. So yeah. I watched um, The OA recently. which I don't know if it's actually a Netflix series, but it was on, on Netflix. I think it was a Netflix series. It was, yes. It's not amazing, but it's quite good. One of the, one of the characters is um, a fairly young, like early teens, mm. Asian American trans teenager, mm-hmm. and it, it's 
not totally unremarked on, but yeah. broadly speaking, he's just allowed to get on with his life. And Casual a, representation yeah. as opposed to it's the big after-school special issues mm. edition. Yeah. So I think the reason the reason that this character being having some form of autism stood out was that it's the first issue, there's a lot going on, and it's a bit exposition dumpy. Mm. And I think it might have been ramped up in order to do that. We are establishing this now. You will see it later, but probably less so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I really don't know where where any of this is going or what's happening. It's been it's had fairly rapturous reviews, and I don't know if that's just people really want to see Weird Uncle Warren coming back to these characters, but there was... Probably. I was left wanting to read more, but I wasn't left thinking, my God, this is... A new work of genius. Yeah, this is this is a genuinely new and innovative take on stuff that I read in my early 20s and mm. desperately wanted more of. But I will be interested to see where it goes. I will read more. I will trust the Pied Piper of End and follow mm. him oh down that alley. Dead. And that's me. Everything else I'll talk about will be as part of our... Sci-fi extravaganza. That's better than a roundup, isn't it? That's a lot more optimistic. Yeah, I think he's being optimistic. Mm. This is a, this is like what every year to six months we read some sci-fi comics and talk about it. Say they're good. Yeah. I have some I have some retro-themed recommendations as well, but but broadly, yes. What's interesting in the world of weird science fiction? Well, so I don't know if Black Monday Murders counts. It's sort of more mystical, um, but that is definitely one of the most fun genre things I've seen around at the moment. There's a shit ton of still good, isn't there? There's, there's yeah. injection and trees. So I said so that was what I've come to those new, haven't this you? Week. Um, yes. Well, so I have read the first volume of both of those previously, and this was my sort of my first go at the second volume of each. And it for me, it was a hit and a miss. Injection, I thought, was a wonderful continuation of form, and trees just didn't really land for me. Interesting. Um, which was interesting also because they did not, although I could see the kind of big weird sci-fi machinations of Uncle Warren's brain, I did not, I did not get the distinct sense that they were both being done by the same person at roughly the same time. Yeah, so the first volume of Trees is like distinct stories, isn't it? It's yeah. Sort of, and this is more one person's story, well, two people's Two stories. people's stories, and I think part of the problem was they were two of the people I was less interested in overall. Mm. I mean, quite. Well, the like, Chinese city was one of the most charming bits. And yeah, like, that, that, that got like what two panels or yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, I think I struggled more with the art style on trees. It's extremely scratchy at the expense of detail often, mm. and it was not sort of as smooth or pleasant a read as Injection. Um, although the repeating sort of. Black poppies blooming out of skulls motif was nice. I enjoyed that. It's got Everybody some, likes a skull with some flowers growing out of it. It's got some lovely detail work. Um, I, I take what you mean about the art style. I, I had an easier time with it, but it is. It, it works really well actually for the big action sequences. So the sort of river bits of New York, a mm. boat going down, and lots of scratchy kind of blocks and stuff works a lot better than the faces and the hands. But so much of it is actually character driven yeah. that that balance felt wrong for me. Um, I mean, Dave was looking over my shoulder and it's like, that guy can't draw noses. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, that guy. Um, Jason Howard? Yeah. Sorry, Jason. Um, it was... I think I would probably still pick up the next volume because I'm interested in the overall 
where he's going with it. I think, I mean, part of it was I'm just not massively interested in that kind of New York City mayor versus police type. Mm. I don't care about that. I care about... Bri- is it Bridget? No. The, 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 the lady that's been sent to the Orkneys to check the, on the blind girl called? copies. I can't remember what she's... Bridget, no, is the character from Injection. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I care about that, and I care about the thing in Trees, which is let's look at the socio-economic and political impact of this yes. quiet, lazy-ass alien... Is it an invasion? Who yes. the fuck knows? So the, the thing about... Um, she's been in a coma and in hospital and not really paying attention to the news for a while because she was the last person out of the mm. one that went uh, nuts in Svalbard, yeah. Um, and she, when she is talking to the people who are briefing her, they she realises for the first time that the public have just so much less information than she would expect mm. them to, given what happened, mm. because a lot of it's been suppressed because, you know, they make the point if we tell people that you get black poppies turning up and then the whole thing goes nuclear you're going to get people just fucking tearing each other apart over stuff that's not that. I mean, he used the kind of paediatrician paedophile thing, which I thought was a little bit cheap, but it yeah. works as a comparison. But And then we sort of we see an example of someone very quietly saying to her, I think this might be one of them, and she realises... And he's not even causing a panic. Mm. He's just he's trying not to panic everyone else. He's like, softly, softly, what about this? And yes. she has to chew him out because it's not. Yeah. yeah. Um, I quite like the cheerful Scottish people. Yeah. They were nice, and actually, I liked the I liked the um, the Scotland scenes because the sort of big, big blue sky, green fields did a lot for me more for the me colour visually palette than changes the a lot for that. green, brown, red, dirty New York. There's nowhere near as much blue in the first volume as there is in the, yes. the Orkney sequences in the second. It's there's some nice colour coding. But yeah, I think on the whole, it just felt a little bit kind of thinner, especially compared to Injection. Which I loved. It was crazy dense. Um, It made me want a sandwich in spite of the amount of human flesh consumed. The, um... Just the the series of scenes where he's... Somebody that accuses him of not having human emotions and you just go through all of his Mm. various sexual encounters. It's... Some of them are in a pentagram. as well. It's wonderful. I like his his tongue-in-cheek. I also I really love the sort of what would it be like for someone to actually make themselves into Sherlock Holmes yes and there's obviously there's there's a riff on the Sherlock Holmes knowing what different soils taste like Mm. thing um, which is him eating so many different types of human flesh Mm. (laughs) the um I think Roger, you mentioned this as well when you read it for the first time but the uh, scene with Maria the blah 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 let's all help the sad wizard just fucking such a good panel. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm talking kind of incoherently about this is, it. But uh, I'm this is so what good. It's about, so good. But it's, oh, fuck, just go and read it. So the, the quick overview is that in Injection, five people realise that human progress, or at least the, the progress of maybe reality in general, was slowing. There was less innovation. There was less happening. And they decided to create a thing called the injection which is a possibly probably magical magic infused ai Mm. that is probably possibly probably living feral on the internet and is fucking with them fucking with a lot of things yeah it's just learned about money but specifically it's the people it it does not like them or at least wants to hold their attention in such a way that it is 
engaging each of them in ways that mm. they will find. Yeah, it's not clear how upset it is, but I mean, it's a little upset with Maria, obviously. But it may be a child performing for its creators. Almost, there seems like a yeah. some element of "Look what I can do, you fuckers made me." It's totally not clear what's going on. Well, it, it, it's clear what it's doing. It's not clear why it's doing it, and it's super interesting. It is one of the weirdest things out there at the moment because it's, you know, you say sci-fi and you expect, um, you expect a whole load of machinery and a whole load of very tangible things, and this is not that. This well, so is I want to talk futurism. About so I don't know if this is just stuff that I've read, but um, sci-fi sloshing around right now. In, so a couple of years ago, we did a big weird sci-fi podcast because. Um, profit and saga and things were new or newish. Mm. There were lots of big weird things about, and now it feels more Gibsonian. It feels more like selectively extruded present. Yeah, they felt very much like they were riffing on sort of Mobius and heavy metal and just. So I, I grabbed the slightly more psychedelic trade of depth or depth H. It's not really clear. Which is which is Matkin, um, coloured by um, Charlene Kin apparently. Um, who, whose name I, I forgot uh, and this is yet another so I mean mind management was kind of was his previous thing which was kind of big, oh this is him yeah okay which is big and wide ranging and fascinating and beautiful and this is I've only read the first issue of the, the trade which dropped on digital yesterday so I've not had a chance to get through it but this is it's a murder investigation on an undersea mad science base mm. in a near to medium term future term future where things have all gone horribly wrong uh, visually it's a bit more painty than rapture um, or different no, not, wrong not different wrong kind of okay. um, it, it's not really clear some sort of outbreak of something it's strange uh, it, it's it's got the sort of tension and investigation thing from mind management. It's got a lot of the visual style, but it's it's showing the paper texture a bit more. It's more visibly watercolory, and it's a little bit more mad science. Um, but it's still got that grotty, grimy thing. And then you sort of look at other things that are sloshing around at the moment. Continuations of ongoing series. So yes, we've got Injection, we've got Trees, Black Science, and Low, and lots of other sort of... Again, even if they feel a bit far future, there's a lot of a mode of selectively extruded present. There's a lot of moody, dark colours. We're sort of out of... And this could be temporary, or it could just be a filter bubble applied by my reading, but sort of out of the big, joyous, broad colours and nonsense of a couple of years ago and into something a bit more personal. So, like, a few years ago, I, I, I quite liked... I know you, you didn't go on with it, Mr. Convery. I'm not sure if you read it, Lucy. I don't think have. No. Um, which was a police procedural set on a space station. Oh, maybe. Was it the one with the guy from Germany? Yeah. Yeah, no, I did read that. It wasn't amazing, but it was kind of fun. It was interesting, at least, yeah. And then there was Roche Limit, which has then hived off into this weird, mystical, sort of sci-fi thing. Um, so there were, there were bits of procedural, there were bits of sort of weird storytelling. Um, I, I kind of feel like a slight trend has pulled back into a nearer term future and something grimier. I, I, the, the thing that I, I absolutely infused about last year, the uh, the, the, the mad cyberpunk thing. Empty Zone. Uh, that kind of felt like it was riding the, the sort of the lead in to it, the sort of the grimy, the sort of grimy cyberpunk, slightly Gibson-y revival, but I don't know. It, it would be 
it's very tempting to say eh, 2016 was a shitty shitty year 2017 is even worse so now we've got nasty cyberpunk yeah well but, the editors publishing do not allow for that mm. no but it kind of is glibly coincidentally true and well we are in the middle of what could be one of the worst epochs in recent memory so I wonder if the sort of the shift from the kind of psychedelic to the slightly it also feels a bit more like that kind of the way the 80s did dystopian the, the sort of mm. a lot of the Alan Moore stuff at that time the political climate shifts a bit and suddenly you get tighter, more constrained, more fighting a specific problem narrative as opposed to the big kind of unfolding yeah. endless space vagina kind of ones. I mean, there's some other stuff. So someone pointed me at um, the Firelight Isle on mm. one of the web webcomics platforms that's horrible to use. Webtoons, something like that. I don't know. Well, one of the really They're horrible, bad, one of, of the horrible, horrible websites that usability forgot. Um, but Firelight Isle is is about these kids on a either far future space planet or ancient fantasy planet. It's not obvious. Who are growing up in the shadow of a weird space religion that's kind of oppressive, but also nebulously millennialist. Mm. And their sort of hopes and dreams. It's like it's like Nameless City with space religion. It's Paul Duffield, isn't it? That sounds plausible. Who did um, Freak Angels with Warren Ellis. Mm. It looks gorgeous. It's, it, and the, it's very long vertical panel. It's very webby. Mm. Um, that's, that's promising, and that's got sort of bright lights and hope and weirdness in it. And the thing that I haven't had a chance to pick up that sounds super promising, which is, um, is it Quantum Teens Go? Or Quantum Teens Argo? Um, I don't know. I'd remember if I'd heard of that. Yeah, Quantum Teens Argo from uh, Black Mask Studios, and that's um, Magdalene Visaggio and um, Eric Donovan. And that's this, the, the, the covers are gorgeous. It's sort of scritchy, cartoony. It looks kind of webby. Um, like mech hacker kids pulling heists and getting into capers, except there's shit going on. Do like a caper. And a mech heist. Yeah, that looks like it's, it's proper fun. Um, I've not had a chance to pick that up yet, but it looks delicious. So th- there is kind of scritchier, more casual stuff around. Mm. But I kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe it is just the thing that I'm reading. I feel like the mood has become more the preconditions for Transmet. Yeah. But then Transmet had a kind of weird joyousness about it that actually we're not oh, even places, getting through yeah. with some of this. This is yeah. we've had the joyousness kicked out of our dystopian horror futures. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Well, I've been doing that since the nineteen thirties. I mean, Brave New World made endless sex and drugs not fun, so mm. um, that takes some doing. I mean it's fun. I think I think I broadly agree with your assessment that we're seeing a lot more near future than the big shiny or the big weird. The big loopy. But I've been reading chunks of quite high concept stuff as well mm-hmm. that loosely fall into sci-fi. So one of the things I've been reading recently is Kaiju Max by Xander Cannon, which is um, it's a maximum security penitentiary for kaiju for giant monsters and. It's kind of glorious. It's kind of a big sci-fi riff. Um, the prison wardens are all Ultraman-style superheroes. They can slap their chest and grow to the size of the monsters. Lucy, your face hearing this I is selling, to it, selling it to me more than Dave's description. No, 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 no. I want to be brought along with you. I'm just very tired. 
So the whole thing is, the whole thing is, yeah, giant monsters are captured and brought to this island somewhere in the Pacific and... Uh, Conveniently located. Angry prison guards who are corrupt and, and venal or noble and pure or just weird as fuck. And they're all stuck there doing a fairly straight up prison drama with gangs and violence and assault but with giant monsters and it's so full of puns of course it is the whole thing is as though they've been sent to the penitentiary (laughs) sorry I've been reading prison drama my blood's up Um, but no it's just like when people swear they say oh my gosh as in Gajira Um, if someone is if someone's a coward they get called or just generally not respected they get called Zuki ass which is just Godzuki Godzilla's shit kid from the spin-off cartoons Um, this was made for you there's a gang called the Crips who are all the sort of North American cryptids like the the Mothman the (laughs) Chupacabra just, just bring me this comic. And all of the the sort of mechanized versions of the monsters, like you know, you get Mechagodzilla and all of that. They have a religion, like a religious sect of the Cloud, and they're all off preaching in one corner. It's 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 everything you ever wanted. Isn't it's it? everything I ever wanted. Yeah. You didn't know um, you wanted it, but now you've got it. You're so happy and I fulfilled. I haven't seen you happier in a long time. And I think, I mean, I sort of read quite a lot of quite high concept stuff when we were first starting this show. Like, Profit was starting around mm. the same time. and I So I, I think there are still things out there like that, but I think you're right in that maybe the sort of dystopian and post-apocalyptic stuff has died back a little bit in favour of well it's this bad now look how grim it is everything's grey well you get a little bit of that in um, in the grim dark of sometime next Thursday the sort of the the London of trees Mm. with with the sort of kind of hyper real buses and drones blowing each other up in the streets and everybody just sort of getting on with it because it's become their new reality in exactly the way that you know that our entire population will just deal with the encroaching dystopia. Yeah, the the desperate urge to yell, this is not normal, will we'll not normal. penetrate we'll, the British we'll middle classes. Yeah. So there's some, other, there's some other stuff too. So um, none of it's been collected in trade yet, but DC's Young Animal Imprint started mm. late last year. Um, and so that's that's got stuff like Shade, The Changing Girl, which is psychedelic sci-fi. Mm. Um, Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Oh, that's supposed to be great. Yep. Um, that's the title. It's called Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye. That's a really good title. Yeah. But that whole range is written by... or It's all written by or at least conceived of by Gerard Way, who controls the whole... Of line course. Of yeah. Um, Who's actually used his accidental career to launch the actual career that he wanted? Yes, yes. which is pretty was, good going. Was a fairly massive rock star for a while. Mm. Now runs a boutique line of DC comics, um, <laughs> just as he always planned. Just as he always planned. Um, so there is a sort of slight resurgence in weird there. Mm. Um, 
like proper. Yeah, he proper goes in weird. for it. The Umbrella Academy is weird. It is. Oh, he's that guy. Yeah, he's yeah. that guy. The thing that the thing that interests me is Grant Morrison took over Heavy Metal magazine, which has always had tons of odd stuff in it. You know, there's it, there was Mobius in the seventies. There's been lots and lots of weird and out there stuff throughout its lifetime. I've not really heard anything since, mm. which is just strange. And I mean, I don't think it's carrying anywhere anywhere near me. But you would kind of think Grant Morrison's editing a line of weird sci-fi would have produced something that people would be shouting about by now. Mm. Maybe we should go and do further research. Maybe we should. Oh, I've mentioned this before. I, not on the previous comment, uh, on the previous podcast. Maybe the one before. Maybe the previous. Who can say? Who but, knows? Who cares? Uh, Marion Turner. Yes. Uh, Dishing Helmer. Yes. Um, I want to read that. The story of a scientist with every problem ever mm. ending up in a squishy, possibly hallucinatory, but definitely weird substratum of Mars talking to a possibly sentient artificial life for me thing with shit going wrong and then there's some stuff and then there's a magic crab. Look, I'm never ever going to explain this without ruining it. Just fucking read it, it's brilliant. Mm. I like magic crabs. The magic crab's kind of adorable. Mm. Even better. So that, I mean, and that's not kind of grimy dystopian. It's horrible, but it's also joyous. It's, that's got a really nice balance, actually. Yeah. So. And of course, this is all sort of UK, US comics that we're looking at. There's a lot of the... Franco-Belgian weirdness. Franco-Belgian weirdness. Well, yeah, so Orbitler, right. is, uh, Orbitler is still going. It's fine. Uh, also on... Um, there's a Valerian film out this year, which I think will probably see a bit of a resurgence in the comics, mm. and they're kind of... Sam Sexy space robs. Garbage. Um, yeah, that's the one you really hated. Well, I, I wanted to like it, but I've given up. It's just flat. You did yeah. keep buying it. I know, and I shouldn't have, but they keep... Yeah, well. So here's, here's, here's the thing. Back in the 60s, very conservative um, people like Jack Kirby and um, Steve Ditko made really weird shit. Hmm. And I don't mean that they were necessarily conservative writers, but they just put whatever the fuck on the page a lot of the time. Mm. Like I'm thinking specific for Jack Kirby. I'm thinking specifically his 2001 adaptation and oh, the fourth yeah. world stuff, mm. um, which was just you know it's bizarre. If you want something that's that's properly out there, that's worth that's well worth a look. And there's some giant sort of toilet paper standard. Um, collections of those mm-hmm. and Steve Ditko obviously did Doctor Strange but he did a whole bunch of other stuff as well um, you don't you don't really have that is that just that the that maybe we're kind of used to more coherent narratives and people aren't taking risks or do we think there's, there's a lot of um, sci-fi TV at the moment which might be sucking up some of the that's true the enthusiasm like the popular demand the West Worlds and the things yeah there's a lot of all kind of pseudo sci-fi paranormal stuff I'm watching a lot of pseudo sci-fi paranormal stuff so like you know, New Star Trek is coming as well mm, all of yeah. the sci-fis are getting some sci-fi there's a lot of stuff on, on Netflix and Amazon. Mm. Like, you know, obviously there were Stranger Things and Westworld are the big ticket ones, but then, you know, I mentioned the OA. Um, Stranger Things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff around. Is there anything happening in the uh, 2000 AD kind of space? I was going to ask. Because I don't yeah. know. Um, 40 years this week. Fuck. Fucking hell. 
40 years of 2008. Yeah, wow. Um, not tons. Mm. It's sort of hard to know until stuff comes out. I mean, Judge Dredd continues and... Will continue. Yeah, is uh, deeply... Uh, occasionally very crude satire. Um, although about a year and a half ago they, they made a reference to the President Trump Memorial Crater. And... Mm, <laughs> if only it would come true. Yeah, that's continued. Um, I don't know. I tend to read um, 2000 AD as trades. I don't get the fortnightly comic. Mm. I occasionally think about it. Oh, these guys deserve my money. It's a fun time, but... I just know I wouldn't ever finish reading it. That's the thing. I think it's partly that. Um, I don't think you can ever rule them out, and their mm. circulation seems to be pretty good. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's sort of fallen under the big and the weird. And my kind of my casual dip in time all goes to sort of either web comics or cooking. Mm. Right. Just endless MMOs. Also that. Well, that, yeah. Possibly the most exciting sci-fi development of 2017 so far, of course, is the release of Torment Times of Numenera. Everyone's jizzing themselves over it. The cloth map. I'm not. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn, which is also sci-fi. Presumably the map is cloth to cope with the jizzing. For the jizz, you know. I'm still playing vanilla World of Warcraft on a private server, and I probably will be until I die. And that's okay. Which might be soon. Because dystopia. Mmm. Yeah, it's hard to... It's hard to get excited about the infinite possibilities of science and space in a time like this. And it's it's hard to write interesting dystopian when you realise that you're just looking at... But with the one we've got is so shit, that's the yeah. thing. People it's can write much more interesting Bargain ones. basement dystopia. The Wilco of dystopia. Yeah, like the... 95p shampoo and fascism. The... The clementine-coloured ambulatory anus creature across the water is rolling out an absolute bargain-basement fascism playbook, and it's just... It's just boring. It's not even interesting. We've had actual Nazis already. Do we not get something newer and sexier? The trouble is all the Nazis we've got now think they are pretty sexy. Don't don't say the names or it summons them. And being, but being crippling and cripplingly uninnovative and being terribly boring and and an absolute evil shambles, and getting away with it doesn't make yeah doesn't mean they're not getting away with it. It's just kind of well, how do you how do you how do you justify this? Have you people never read a book? No, obviously not. That's why you're being fascists. And I guess it's just it must just be really hard to try and so um, Charles Cross. Yeah keeps talking about this like he, he in particular around his laundry series books which are sort of paranormal near future mm. magic civil service trying to fight the end the Lovecraftian end of the world he keeps coming trying to come up with stupid ideas that keep being implemented by UK governments like every time he thinks of something vaguely like borderline fascistic that could just about sneak through but maybe not quite someone they actually goes bloody and implements do it, it. Yeah. I think Ben Aronovich has had some of this problem with the no I think it's actually uh was it Penarancha or Porkenel? One of the two people that do magical London books um, has complained about this as well. Um, it's not a good time for... Hope. Yeah. Or... Well, that's why I'm surprised I've not seen more big crazy stuff, but I guess, yeah, the hope takes the edge off that. Your brain gets crammed down by the fascism and you can't think big anymore. Unless you're a fascist, in which case it's the only way you can sustain an erection. 
thinking pretty big about brutalizing other humans. Yeah. Yeah. This took a turn. It did, really. So are we blaming our own hatred of the world for not reading enough glossy, uh, glossy, weird, optimistic sci-fi? Or do we think it's not out there? Uh, Well, why why don't our kind listeners tell us? Like, I reckon we've missed some shit. Yeah. Yeah, you guys do the work. But I'm thinking when we started... three years. When we started, we had things like Profit. We've been doing this for five years. Fuck, have we really? Yeah. Yes. We started in 2012. Sorry. You were in cryostasis for a couple of them. But your mouth kept going. So we've singularly failed to come up with a solution for what you should read or the dark times that we live in. But hopefully we have convinced you that you should probably read Injection. Yeah, it's really good. I reread Global Frequency at the weekend and it's still fucking awesome. And Planetary as well. Uncle Warren's tales of how weird, fucked-up engineers will save you are probably the best things to retreat into in these times. They're atomic. Yeah. You could go transmit if you want something that is actually dealing with something closer to the current problems, because it does have that incredible, anarchic, just huge two-fists fuck-you to the world mm. about it, which is soothing and reassuring in these times. This has been the Warren Ellis 2016 Didn't Take You, Don't Fail Us Now podcast. We're going to come and swaddle you in blankets. And some other stuff. We're going to protect you, Uncle Warren. In a mostly non-sexy way. Mostly. Mostly. Not entirely. Good night. Good night.